4: Presented by AT and T. Connecting changes everything.
0: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Radio. All
4: right, Mackenzie, Pregame.com, and we're straight out of Vegas. We're going to McKenzie. I'm RJ Bow. What's the series odds right now? You know, I'm gonna I'll do the series odds, but then let's put it in the context of the title odds. So, first series odds: Utah is at home. Now, typical home court is going to be about minus one forty. So, if the teams are even, Utah should be minus 140. Utah, in the series, is minus 130. So, what we're hearing from the market is the Clippers are a smidge better, a smidge better. The odds opened up, Utah higher, minus 155. It's been Clippers money, bet down, 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 25 cents. Jazz just a smidge worse if you count home court, but... They are better than 50% to beat the Clippers. I'm going to propose right now, if you like the Jazz, game one's the game. Because if it is, and I don't know what else it could be, a matter of energy with Kawhi, when's he going to have the least energy? And hasn't the Clippers been affirmed? Haven't they got positive reinforcement The losing the first game. Hey, they can overcome that. Regular teams have to worry about that. They don't. O2's fine with them, even if it's at home. This does not make the team urgent early. And the emotional celebration, let's be candid. If they lose that series, Paul George might have went out of town. They might have been another coaching chase. Who knows? what Kawhi might not have re-upped. He has an option. So to me, this was an emotional win. It was a, like, the family might not have to move kind of win. (laughs) It feels like there's a flat spot coming up here. Jonas first, what do you think?
3: Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I also think, you know, it gives uh, Donovan Mitchell an extra a, extra few days to get ready and rested and all that, which is why them closing it out as early as they did against the Grizzlies was important. And we, we've seen the Clippers have given you multiple examples to where of all the elite teams, quote-unquote elite teams in the NBA – they're probably the most likely to just come out flat for an entire game, which is I agree weird to say. It, it, but it, it's it's weird that that's even part of the discussion, which is what makes them such a, such an odd team to try and figure out and why so many people, I think, have a hard time doing it because you know, one minute they're down 2-0, then they look awesome, then they lose a game on their home floor, and then they come back and win the final two. You just can't really figure out what's going on with them.
4: Well, I, you know, it's funny. You say it's unusual that in the playoffs a team would be so flat as often as they are, but weren't the Lakers that last year, even though they won the title, they had numerous. I mean, in LeBron now for quite a while and game ones have been flat in general. So it feels like it used to be the, the, the goal was play hard every game. Now let's be candid. The glory days weren't always glorious is <laughs> there wasn't a lot of defense sometimes in the NBA in the eighties and, you know, but it feels like that's transition to, Oh, it's just a regular season. So, oh, you expect us to actually play with half effort? No, we're going to play some games with half effort. Others, we're going to sit for load management. And especially the TV games, because we're going to stick it to the league, because silver doesn't do much for us. (laughs) Um, and, And the reality is that now we've moved towards, oh, NBA? Are we playoffs? Are we down? No? Okay, then I think we can lose this one. Now, they're not trying to lose. But just like when I would, you know, let's say in high school, and I'm not condoning this, but sometimes there'd be, uh, you know, a little alcohol consumed and I'm not condoning it. But, you know, when I was a senior, eventually there was a time or two that it was before a school night the school night, you know, before the school <laughs> the next day. And you know what? I didn't try to flunk those. Te- well, I didn't flog. I didn't try to get a C on those tests, but it happened. And I kind of felt responsible. I think that's what we're talking about here. Uh, what do we got in game one, McKenzie, on this? Uh, the Utah Clippers uh, when it comes to this spread. Jazz are four points favorites, game one. Ooh, now think about this a second. The market is saying, RJ, you're right. Because what does game one tell us? Well, home court's two right now. Utah may two and a half because of the altitude. And if it is fatigue, that makes Utah even better against the Clippers with the altitude at home. But it still is saying that uh, Utah is one and a half points better. If they're favored by four, home court, let's call it two and a half for Utah. That means Utah's one and a half points better. But if you look at the series price, it says the Clippers are better because they're only a little below 140. Well, it's, it's Utah minus 130 and Clippers plus 110. And that's actually below what it should be if Utah was even an equal team. So this isn't severe like that Lakers was in which we just were just trying to figure it out. And we finally figured, hey, Suns are the side and we were right. Here, it's telling us the Clippers are in a bad spot in game one. So Utah is the better team beyond the home court. But for the series, the Clippers are slightly the better team. That is fascinating. And it makes me not want to bet Utah (laughs) because they're accounting for it. That's the thing. A a, a better has to not only be right, he has to be in the minority position. Everyone knows Tom Brady's good. You don't make a lot of money typically betting on that information, right? Here, everyone seems to know the Clippers are in a bad spot, thus the line's adjusted, and thus we sit and watch.
0: Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
2: Higher Ratings, and Consumer Reviews, and be sure to check out all their current special offers. Great tires and a great deal.
1: What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
4: I think we should look at the title odds. we got McKenzie here. He's going to give us the deep voice rundown. Um, let's go from, what do you want to do? I'll let you decide, Jonas. You want to go Casey Kasem from worst to best or up?
3: Yeah, I would like to go worst to best. All I right. Think we, yeah, we get, that way it'll build up some suspense. J- Jonas McKenzie is the here. boss.
4: Yeah. Mackenzie, the biggest underdog. <laughs> All right.
2: The Atlanta Hawks, 22 to 1. Denver Nuggets, 20 to 1. Hold on, Billy-
4: hold, on ho- hold on, hold on.
2: <laughs> how are we going
4: to have any reaction? He's like, I'm on the <laughs> mic. I'm just going to keep talking. <laughs> All right. So Atlanta Hawks. Now, how are they doing in the series? <clears throat> up 1-0. And they're still the biggest underdog. Surprised The odds only ticked up from twenty-five to twenty-two to one. Yeah, that is surprising. What is what is the current best knowledge on Embiid?
3: That I I, th- I think he he doesn't seem. Totally, 100%. Um, yesterday, it looked like he might have tweaked his right knee a little bit towards the end. I mean, he still played pretty effectively. I just I don't know that he's going to be 100% the rest of the way. Um, not that, that he can't still be effective, because he clearly was, but, the, but he did seem a little bit off yesterday. They did as a team.
4: Now, let's think about why the odds changed the way they did, which was Atlanta's odds did not improve near as much as you would think. Now, it could be they're thinking, no way they can win anyway. What's the difference? And you see that sometimes in the first round when it's like a one versus an eight and it's a monster one. A team will win the first one, and they figure, the underdog, and they figure, oh, they were just ago. It's like the New Jersey Nets over the Lakers. And that, you know, I think it was the uh, – I know – the 76ers won the first one against that Lakers team. Yeah. I think they were 50 I, for some reason I remember 15 point underdogs and that. But people don't take that too seriously. It's like, "Oh, now they got their attention. Look out." I don't think that's what this is. I think entering the series, which is when they set the opening series price, they didn't know when Embiid was going to play. And they didn't know how he'd look when he did. I I heard from more people than felt like he would play that he wouldn't play till like game 5 to see how the series would go. Can they give him some rest? I think it's a bad sign in a way that he's playing already because he's obviously a little healthier. So you might say, well, how's that a bad sign? It's because this thing can't be durable. I mean, they got to figure if they can't get at least two to two with the Hawks in four without him, right before game one, you're not going to win the title anyway. You got to give that guy some rest because you're going to need him in the finals. If you're lucky enough to get there, So it feels like it's another example of trying to, you know, it might be slightly or better now, but it decreases the chance to win a title. Because what's the odds of a guy who tends to get hurt and be a little bit brittle, if not more than a little bit? And be what's the odds on a uh, partially torn up knee, meniscus, that he's going to make it? Through three more series,
3: yeah, and also game one. I mean, it's not like you know they were you know trying to work him back into the lineup. He played thirty eight minutes, and uh, you know he was by far and away their best player on the floor. He usually is, but by far and away their best player. He had thirty nine. Do you think
4: he played better? So you would say he played better than typically? Than I thought.
3: Yeah, I, I well, better than I thought he would coming off what he was dealing with because he did miss the final game. But I just. If if not for him, for, they were getting blown out majority of that game, and and Atlanta, I, the, the conclusion of that game was so wild. Just the you know the the misplays, turnovers that that Philly actually had a legitimate shot to either tie the game or take a lead late, which they shouldn't have, uh, if not for you know the almost collapse by Atlanta and Philadelphia making some plays. But if not for Joel Embiid in that game yesterday, who's clearly not a hundred percent, who there were reports that he maybe wasn't even going to play, yeah. I, I, this game would have been really ugly, and and yeah. and that that to me, and I don't know if that's just oh game one, or, or or if that's you know sort of an indictment on how this series could potentially go for them all the way but, through.
4: But but how many teams can be competitive in the playoffs without their best player?
3: I mean they they. Won I mean that I guess game. what I'm
4: saying is you said if Philly had lost them, how bad would they have been off? Yeah, I, I think you're right, and it kind of speaks to and we're going to get to it how amazing the Nets are. That they can have someone like Harden maybe not even play again in this series. And they just keep, you know, again, obviously it hurts them. But the fact that they're still viable to win it. If, if Harden were declared out for the rest of the season, playoffs, everything, right? Where would the Nets be? Would the Nets still be the favorite? Ah probably not. But man, they wouldn't be they wouldn't be that far down the list, would they?
3: I actually, and I was wondering this as well, too, because if I'm not mistaken, and Mackenzie would know this better than me. but i I'm almost wasn't Atlanta. The lowest – like as of all the team, they had the biggest long shot as far as odds go to win a title. I I, th- I think they were last, oh, if, you, I, if I'm not enter-
4: mistaken. Entering the playoffs?
3: Entering the playoffs.
4: Oh, no, no, no. So they wouldn't have been in that because, obviously, you have all the eight seeds and everything. Um, obviously, like
2: the Grizzlies were worse.
3: Okay. They were pretty low, though. For, for my, yeah, 80 from, to
2: 1. Super long oh, shots.
3: Yeah. So I just want – at what point do we look at this and go – Maybe we've just been wrong about Atlanta because they've not only are they winning these games, these playoff games, but they weren't a good. They had a losing record on the road all season long, and they've been really good on the road in hostile environments throughout the postseason.
4: Well, listen. Here's the question, and I guess we got a little bit of an answer in Game One because you could make the case the Knicks were, and as good as Thibodeau, Thibodeau is in. The regular season, I mean, I don't think there was one sharp that I listened to or talked to that did, was not critical of the Knicks' uh, lack of adjustments game to game. Yeah. And thus, you could say Atlanta won, give them credit, but boy, the Knicks made it easy for them. But then, to go in with Embiid having a really good game, as you said, and win, now it's not only... Boy, they're good, but what's the what's the confidence level, right? Because you mentioned that with the Suns last week, right? Well, if you're young, aren't you? You just vanquished Madison Square Garden, and now you're taking on the number one seed and beating them in Philadelphia. You got to be confident, and he's he's naturally confident.
3: And they were up by they were up by over twenty. At one point, I mean, they went on a seventeen to zero run in the in the first half. Like they were, Atlanta was dominating majority of that game. It shouldn't have been even close to what it was. The final score being a four point difference.
4: So here's what I want to do. I want to I want to clarify the point I was making about the adjustment to Atlanta because you would think if you win game one and the adjustment was mighty light. And let's go over that again. What was Atlanta to win the title before game one and after game one?
2: 25 to 1 before game one, now 22 to 1. Okay,
4: so you might say, wait a minute, that doesn't seem like enough. I think the fact that Embiid looked so good makes it so there's two adjustments being made. The mathematics that in the first series that Elena has to win of the three remaining to win the title, they now are up 1 0. That's mathematically, they have a better chance to win this series, no doubt. Okay, then you think. We probably had to upgrade him a little bit because they played so well. So that's going to help him. But what hurt him was the Embiid upgrade from we don't know if he's going to play to he looks pretty much normal, but he's probably a little ginger on that thing. He might re-injure it, but he looks so much better than we thought. That effect was big, and thus you add it all up, and there was a slight improvement in Atlanta's odds, but not a major one because Embiid being healthy – is a real negative for Atlanta's chance to win the title. Does that? Does everyone
3: see that?
0: Yeah, hundred percent. Be sure to catch live editions of Straight Out of Vegas weekdays at six PM Eastern, three PM Pacific. Hey, I'm Doug Gottlieb. The podcast is called All Ball. We usually talk all basketball all the time, but it's more about the stories about what made these people love their sport and all the interesting interactions along the way. We talk to coaches. We talk to players. We tell you stories.
3: All right, so Julio Jones is now a Tennessee Titan. This was a deal that had been worked on for a little while. Atlanta trying to find a trade partner. They end up doing so. It is the Tennessee Titans. Terms of the trade are being reported by ESPN. Uh, Julio Jones to Tennessee in exchange. The Atlanta Falcons get a second-round pick in 2022 and a fourth-round draft pick the following season.
4: Okay, a couple ways to look at this. One, what does the Vegas betting market say, which is the collective IQ, and what they say is this the Tennessee Titans' odds have improved, but not as much as you might think. They were 36 to 1 to win the Super Bowl, Tennessee. Now they're 30 to 1. That puts them as the 15th favorite. Now I'm just going to do some quick math. 16 is average. So they're a smidge better, Tennessee with Julio Jones, than average. What I can tell you with certainty is Tennessee was one of the biggest, if not the biggest, but one of the biggest, downgrades, thumbs down, trend line down before this trade. Losing their offensive coordinator, uh, some moves on defense that the Wise Guys didn't like. However you want to assess it, and every Wise Guy had their own reasons, thumbs down, Tennessee. Now, a splashy trade, a big name. The kind of thing that, the casual fans are going to get excited about He's going to perk up. Oh, Julio Jones. Yeah, I know him. Oh, Tennessee. They got that big running back. That's the mentality. I think this is one of those. It's an, And I got to be honest. I don't think Tennessee gave up too much either. I think they got a good deal. We're not talking about like the long-term prospects of the draft. We're saying Julio Jones is undoubtedly an upgrade. And Tennessee is a better team because of it. And there is those effects. You can only double one guy. So if if he's anywhere near what he's been or if he's, you know. So McKenzie, let's get a quick assessment here. Because the real question is what has he got left? Pro football focus? What, what do you think is our best number to look at yeah, to say so how it was last year?
2: Pro football focus, he was good. He was top 10. Eighty six.
4: Hold on, hold on. Top 10 what? Wide receivers. All right. So in the entire league, his PFF grade was top 10. Julio Jones.
2: Yes. That's 86. And it was um the problem was he only played 9 of 16 games. That was the first time since 2013 that he missed more than 2 games.
4: So that's interesting cuz I would have guessed he missed more than 2 games, more than that. Cuz it seems like he's like a game time decision every week. Yeah. Wow. So re- read to, you got it in front of you read to me the number of games he's played the last 5 seasons. Just
2: boom 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 boom. Uh, nine last year. 15, 16, 16, 14, 16, 15, then five in 2013.
4: I think he's doing the Anthony Davis going out on the field for two plays. Because <laughs> that does not seem right. Listen, let's give the guy credit. But that doesn't... Then then why were we so worried about his durability if he had one year that he missed and every other year he's been playing?
2: Well, this is his most recent year. That's one it, thing.
3: There was, There's a feeling with him in regards to last year that maybe he kind of sensed what was happening. And not that he was faking it, uh, but maybe he wasn't necessarily pushing himself the hardest to want to get back out there for the Atlanta Falcons.
4: So if that's the case, then that's a good thing for Tennessee. Yes. Because obviously, I mean... We could uh, – there's a former Clipper that was playing in Detroit – I don't want to name names – that went to the Nets that maybe there was a little bit of that going on, right? So. Yeah,
3: it, it, it felt like there's there's enough people who are, are looking back upon further review at, at the situation with his injury just going, okay, well, now that we know that this relationship has been strained for a lot longer than was reported publicly – Maybe there was something too. He could have, if you know, if if he was, if they were in the playoffs, I'd find it hard to believe that he wasn't able to, to be out there on the field in some of well, these. Well,
4: it's games. been a long time since the Falcons were in the playoffs, so yeah. we didn't have to worry.
0: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.